How many of you know what that is? How many of you know what that is? What is it? Frogs. Yeah. Let me say thank you for a warm welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about what God has for Kathy and I here as I serve you. We serve each other and we serve our church. Uh, next week, we're going to Exodus from Exodus for one week. And uh, it's going to be a great week, kind of a preview of what we want to do here. I've started calling this Tuesday at Tomoka. I'm going to tell you why. Tuesday Church is a great name. But sometimes that makes people think we have two churches here. There's a church here than the the big church. And and that's not right. You see, the body of Christ is made up of all members. And I found out in nearly 50 years of ministry that I think this group here represents the spine of the body. Really. Because that's what holds the body up straight. That's what strengthens the body and allows every other part of the body to function in a way. And so I want us to think of ourselves not as a separate organization or a second church. It's just Tuesday at Tomoka. Tomorrow we're going to have Wednesday at Tomoka. And this weekend it'll be weekend at Tomoka. Uh, We're going to have a very special guest. I, I will bear no expense to bring you the best right straight from Costa Rica. You're going to hear from a young man who's doing a great job. And you're going to get an opportunity to change the life of some children. So please invite someone, bring someone, and and let's come and let's kick off a wonderful time together. Okay, if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 8, your copy of Scripture, whether it be written or whether it be on your phone or iPad or any other way you can get the scriptures. We're going to talk about croakers this morning. Croakers. If you're at home watching us, uh, turn your Bibles to Exodus 8. We're glad that you're here. And as we know that more and more people are coming out, we invite you. If you are working on the weekend, Tuesday morning, 1030 is a great time. Great group of people. Great fellowship. Great food. You name it, it's here. So we invite you. Next Tuesday. Number 10. 10 plagues, right? Why 10 plagues? Well, the number 10 in the Bible represents the fullness of quantity. Now, there was 10 plagues. They were against 10 gods of Egypt. Now, those were like your major league gods. They were the big gods. Actually, in Egypt, they worship even today over 1,400 different gods. Pharaoh was the title of the ruler, and he had divine status, almost godlike status. The Pharaoh was kind of like the mediator between the gods, whatever God, and the people. And so he was worshipped himself, but Pharaoh also worshipped these gods. So... There was ten plagues against the ten major gods of Egypt. Ten times through Moses and Aaron, 
God gave Pharaoh a chance to change his mind, to soften his heart and turn to the one true God. Every time he resisted, the plagues became more severe. But ten times, because of pride, Pharaoh refused to acknowledge the one true God and his people, his country, he himself suffered great, great problems. Well, let's talk about frogs. In Egypt, there they are. Y'all like that? Isn't that cool? (laughs) Okay, froggy. In Egypt, frogs were worshipped. I've actually seen these uh, armlets. A daughter-in-law who collects frogs, and I think of one trip, I got her one. If I haven't, I need to get her one. But they worship frogs, and they have armlets in the shape of frogs. Just frog heaven over there, if you like frogs. Uh, it was actually against the law to intentionally kill a frog. Uh, so I took it that from that, I would never order frog legs in Egypt. Uh, may, may cause me some problems. Uh, they were sacred animals. Uh, the croaking frogs, like you've just heard, generally happened after the floodwaters of the Nile receded. And it was the message from the gods that controlled the Niles that the, as the floods were receding, the ground would once again be fertile. You see, before uh, the Aswan Dam, every, through the seasons, the, the Nile expanded. And when it left, it left silt and all kind of nutrients. And if you have ever been there or seen pictures, they, they grow some beautiful, beautiful crops there near the Nile. Well, there was a god named Hopi, if I'm pronouncing that right. And Hape was praised because he had caused the land to be fertile. That's a good-looking guy, isn't he? All right. Not only that, the frog represented the image of the goddess Hecute. Kind of looks like a frog, doesn't she? And she was married to the god Kum. What a couple, Right. That's a symbol of resurrection and futility. By the way, do you know what you get if you cross a dog with a frog? A croaker spaniel. (laughs) Okay, Joe. Thank you, sir. We'll go on our own way. Second plague. You'll notice, if you haven't picked it up already, you're going to follow a familiar scene. Let's bring up this Exodus chapter 8. Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. That's been the message from day one. But if you refuse to let them go, Behold, I will plague all of your country with frogs. Now, you'd think Pharaoh, being this divine person, would catch it by now. Okay? 
in the very beginning when Moses went to him and said, let my people go, he said no. Then the Nile turned to blood. Uh, now he said, Moses is saying, let them go or we're going to have frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and into your bed and into the houses of your servants, of, of your people, into ovens and your kneading bowls. Frogs are going to cover the earth. The frogs shall come upon you and on your people and all of your servants. Everyone is going to be overrun by force. So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your strap over the rivers, over canals, over the pools, and make the frogs come upon the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. The frogs came up and covered the land with Egypt. Now listen, in your Bibles, mark God's humor, okay? The magicians did the same thing by their secret arcs. And the frogs came upon the land of Egypt. If you go back to the first plague, when the Nile turned to blood, the magicians that Pharaoh had in his courts, they came up. And they turned the Nile to blood also. So they went from blood to bloodier. Now, Moses, through Aaron's rod, frogs come. And what we have is the magician stepping up saying, I'm not going to be outdone. We'll bring more frogs on the land. I fail to see how that's going to help the situation. These people didn't need more frogs. You see, the magicians were limited. In their secret arts, they had things, but they were limited. If they were really who they said they were could be, they would refute and they would end, right? They'd just go out and stretch out their rock, frogs would disappear. Can you see what God is trying to show here? The foolishness of man, the foolishness really of Satan and his demons. They can only mock and mimic God. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron said, plead with the people to take the frogs from me and from my people. And here's his promise. And I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Again, he challenges the very power of God, even though he has seen with his own eyes the Nile turn to blood. Now frogs covering the land. It's almost as if Pharaoh is playing a game with God about who can outlast whom. I think that's correct to English. My wife will let me know uh, after the service. Uh, Pharaoh, Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and your servants and for your people that the frogs may be cut off from you and your house and be left only in the Nile. Moses is leading it up to Pharaoh. He's saying, look, you want me to do this? When do you want me to do this? Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Now, when I read this, here's my thoughts. I don't know what time of day this was, but if it was me, if it was nine o'clock tonight, I'd say, now, I've had enough frogs. I couldn't make biscuits. Frogs was in there. But he said, okay, tomorrow. Moses said, 
be it as you say, so that you may know that there is a God like the Lord, like no, there is no one like the Lord, our God. All through this, we're going to see 10 times. Fast forward, 2022. The challenge that we face today is the God of this world versus the creator God of heaven. All sin is based on disobedience to God. That's, that's what it is. Too many times we want to talk about and put names to sin. And we spend a lot of time telling people to clean up from these sins. But if the main issue is never cured, that is acknowledging the existence of one creator God, acknowledging the existence of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the sacrifice for our sins, the one having been justified by faith, we have peace with God and we enter into a covenant with this God. And that is still the question today that do you know that there is really one true God or are you trying to play both hands against the other? You see, you can't walk a fence. Back where I come from, they had barbed wire fences because we had cows. And I challenge people to balance themselves on a barbed wire fence. You don't fall but one time because it will tear you up. And you see, that's what's happening in our country. It's what's happening in our very lives. It's a challenge. You know, we're talking about the morality and it's evil. What we're doing to our children, how we're killing babies, you name it. And it comes down to the issue of acknowledging there is no one like our God. Let's pick up and finish this. Frogs will go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile, back where they need to be. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs. And as he had agreed with Pharaoh, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. Frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank, or I would have said stunk. Sin stinks. It's presented as beautiful. Satan was most beautiful of God's creation. I remember as a young man, people would say, sin is evil. And I couldn't figure it out because it looked good. Felt good. Everything about it was good, right? But it stinks. It leaves a stink in your life. It needs a block in your life. And the only thing that can take away that stink is Jesus Christ. I mean, I've talked to people literally in my office over the years, and they'll come in and say, Pastor, my life literally stinks. And sometimes they had had a couple, and I agreed with them. Yeah, your breath stinks. But sin has consequences. We don't like them. I don't like consequences. Unbelief bears a life in which you can never, 
ever recover on your own. And the thing is, Christians do not get a free pass because we're Christians from obeying God and from acknowledging God in our life. You know, I've said to people many times, there is no retirement for the saints. I think the, the retirement picture is Elijah off in a fiery chariot or, or Enoch walking with God and he just disappeared one day. You see, all of our lives is giving over to God. And there's never a time that we can afford to become weak. Remember, you guys are the backbone. You're the spine. And so as long as you're strong, young men and women like Pastor Jason and the group that he leads, they're, they're going to have, through God, a firm foundation. That They're going to have an example that walks before them. But I, I think it's very important for you and I to know that sin will cause your life to stink. And there's only one thing, and that is a repentance turning to God for him to literally do what you can't do. And that's clean up your life. Let's, let's finish this. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and he would not listen to them. This is only the second plague. But Pharaoh again changes his mind. Have you ever made a deal with God? And then when the problem was over, you somehow forget that deal. See, the moral of that story is is keep the deals you make with God. That's not the moral of that story. The moral of that story is, is you don't make deals with God. See, he's God. He's sovereign. And when he speaks, the very backbone of obedience is trust. And belief, belief that there is this God and then trusting that God with your life and trusting him with your finances, your job, your hobbies, just whatever you have in life, you entrust to God because he gave it to you. He allows you the ability to earn that living. He opens doors. You read, you know, the psalmist is the greatest uh, representation. When you go through the Psalms and read, in fact, we're going to, we're going to do a study through the Psalms, but it talks about the beauty of following, obeying and loving God and how God covers his people who in the world would want to live in this present day without a divine covering in their life. Well, you know, I've had people question me. Uh, Every time you speak of Exodus, I've had people say and heard people say, Pharaoh never had a chance. He's the one guy in the world. Never had a chance to know God. Never had a chance to accept God. Never had a chance to be saved. And if that's the way you have read so far, you're wrong. Yeah, God did tell Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. But if you read the context of that, he's talking about, he told Moses when he first told him to go to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart will be hard. 
He knew Pharaoh. He, he made Pharaoh. So he said, Moses, his heart is going to be hard. And as he rejects me by rejecting you, I'm going to allow that hardness to go. Mike 145.8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Beautiful verse. But you know what? Not only that, God is a sovereign God. He's sovereign and he is to be obeyed. You, you know, we really have to come to the point and place in our life when we convince ourselves it's okay that there is a greater power that knows more about us, knows into the future. It's okay to let go of this I complex that the world seemingly is creating more and more. If you watch commercials, they'll tell you it is all about you. And if you wear the right clothes and have the right hairstyle, uh, I kind of suffer there, but uh, that's, that's okay. Uh, if you do the right things and talk the right way. I just heard a new expression the other day. We were in a meeting talking about a conference we're going to have, and they said they were going to dress it up like, let me get this right. Boho. And I thought, okay, that's good. I, I thought maybe they were saying hobo, but it's not. I don't really know what boho is, but I guess it'll be good. You see, we got all of these things. If you do something in boho, it'll be better if you do than doing it in oh no. Or that's that's the thing. But you see, it's never been about us since creation. God created us in his image. God did a dangerous thing. And he said, I, after my creating you perfect, putting you in a perfect place, I'm going to allow you to make decisions. And from the world's first decision by man, this world is gone into a pit, which is show us right off the bat. It's not about us. It's got to be to the point where we are comfortable having not just a higher power, but almighty God himself. So how did we get here? Well, the answer is in Romans 1. Paul, in Romans 1, tells us, because I guess the Romans was such a society that uh, maybe they were questioning it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, who by their unrighteousness suppress the... Huh? Truth. truth. They suppress the truth. You see, that's the issue. We're in a time where we are in a battle for the truth. We can't trust anything on the news anymore because the truth is whatever that particular person feels like. And that's why God's wrath is against the truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the, and I am the life. Do you see how that flows? The way, the truth of life. Without the way and the truth, we don't have life. But what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to him. People who walk and reject 
Christ are not ignorant of God. Not even atheists. No one, I, I believe with all my heart, can honestly say there is no God. For a person to believe that all of this just one day happened. Big bang. That sounds good. I don't think any thinking person can really, you know, that can be your philosophy. That can be your stick. But how can a reasoning person think something went boom and a rose bush was there? Oh, they know. For not only his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. We're without excuse today. Just as Paul was saying to the Romans, they were out ex- without excuse. <clears throat> excuse me. And just as we look at Pharaoh's life, he was out without excuse because he knew it was revealed to him. He said, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and in their foolish hearts were darkened. As they began to be futile, uh, a good word for futile would be stupid in their thinking. Uh, Their life became darkened because the further you move away from the truth, the darker your life becomes because you're moving from what is known into the unknown. They claimed to be wise, but they were fools. And they exchanged the glory of immoral God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things like frogs. Now, you may not know anybody that worships a frog or any other creeping thing. But the idols of the 21st century, they're a different sort. And they are all created in the image of what that person worships. It's amazing how a basketball player who can't put two sentences together but makes $50 million when he speaks, everybody listens. It's amazing. Why do they listen? That's their God. That's where they get their information. That's where they get their backup. This is the importance of Scripture. It's just not like being a Christian and you have to read the Word of God. Listen, knowing Christ It's reading a word that he, through his spirit, is going to reveal to us. But you see, when this happened, bring it up. Therefore, next one, excuse me, Mike. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity. The rest of that chapter down through verse 32 is the same indication. Three times, God gave them over. God watched where they were going and said, go ahead. I'm not going to put any obstacles. Why? Because God gave them the ability to make a choice. And the choice that they made in spite of all of the evidence 
from creation until now. They rejected and chose their own God. Why? Because when you choose your God, you can manipulate that God to do what you want to do. And in reality, you fall prey to what is happening in the world today. We set ourselves up as God. And the craziness about that thought is there are some religious nuts out there that you can listen to. And they will tell you, you become God. Listen. There is only one God. And we do not manipulate. We do not trick. We do not control. But listen, his way is perfect. It's not saying, do you want a good life? Do you want the best life? Oh, yeah. You're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But he said, I'm going to be there with you. And we'll walk through it and we'll come out of it. You're going to have heartaches and tears. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have health failings. You're going to have people that you love who die. That's part of living in this world. And because of Adam's sin, people don't live forever. Our bodies have a timeline. And we don't control that. You know, there's billions of dollars spent by making ugly and old go away. But the products that I've seen advertised not working. Okay. There, there was an old, old country boy, a man that had never been out, out of the woods in his life. And he decided he'd take his son to the big city. Because his son said, Daddy, you got to go to the big city. So they went and checked into a hotel. And they walked up to the elevator. And next to them was this poor little old lady. And she was not blessed with looks. And uh, she really loved her food. And uh, she got on that elevator. And, and the old man was just surprised at the elevator. So he stood there. And the elevator went up. <clears throat> well, his son rang for the elevator to come down. And when it came down, this beautiful 21-year-old woman walked out. No man just turned to run out the door. And the son went after him and said, Daddy, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get your mom. God knows the day that we were born and appointed. And if I could throw in here, never tell a child he was not planned. You may not have planned it, but it was on God's calendar. The day you're born and the day that you die. Now, you can be healthy. And people have said you can add to your days. Scripture says... God knows the beginning from the end. So undoubtedly, he knows at some time you're going to smarten up and eat right and do the things you should. You see, God prescribes a life that in it you can't fail and you cannot lose. Bad things will happen, disappointments and hurts. But through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in our steady belief, and as, as Jason read, our hope. Hope is simple. Hope is that word when it says, wait on the Lord. That wait is the word hope. And when you have a hope, 
in something of power that has never, ever failed, you don't lose. Let me ask you this morning, what are you doing with the life God gave you? Have you come to the point and place in your life that served for a long time, but, you know, maybe the experience. I hear people say the experience is just lost its luster. When you move away from the sun, you get cold. And when you move away from the source of your life, your life is renewed. That's where faithfulness comes in. If you really want to make Satan mad, when disappointments and failures come, put it back in his face by saying, I have a greater hope. My Lord has something. Those are not just things to say as an excuse for going through what you do. It is a hope that is steadfast and sure. This morning, you may be here or you may be listening on the Internet. And you have never placed your faith and trust in life. And Jesus Christ. Oh, you know there's a God and you pray. But you've never entrusted him with your life. And followed him in baptism. This morning, right after this service, I want you to stay seated. Because we're going to have the first of what I pray is many. We're going to have a baptism this morning. Someone 60 years old has come to Christ. That's right. given their heart and their life to him, they also are going to give you a testimony of that. Maybe you're sitting here and you trusted Christ, but you've never been baptized. Be a good time. You see, look at your life. Where are you weak in your belief? Where are your belief in your faith? That's where you need to shore up. Because you see, When we get through reading about Pharaoh, he lost. His country was overthrown. History will say that Egypt never recovered from the exodus when God killed and wiped out the greatest army on earth, and that was Pharaoh's army. This morning, will you come to Christ? This morning, would you be renewed in Christ? This morning, will you begin to just change your outlook on life? Because that is the greatest witness in the world. I'm going to pray that our team is going to come. They're going to sing a song of invitation. I'm going to stand over here if you'd like to talk to me. Or if you catch me uh, during lunch, if you want to talk to me about receiving Christ or being baptized, anything in your life. You just grab a hold of me. All of my time is for you. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the word of God that's steadfast. It's true. It's a witness to itself for thousands of years. Lord, today I pray that your word will move in the lives of people right now, where they live, where they are, and draw them to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.